I'm Deb Kuykendall. And I'm Jacob Kuykendall. I'm Karen Hernandez. And this is The Decades Podcast, a podcast where we watch two movies, one from a previous decade and one from the 2010s. And this season we are covering horror movies. I hope you enjoy the show. Heck yeah, you'll enjoy the show. We just watched two movies. Yeah. Last week we watched... um, Weeks yeah. ago, we watched Cat People and uh, Under the Skin. Under the skin. Mm-hmm. That was for 1940. We're in the 50s now, so we watched uh, the, bad the, seed. the Bad Seed from 1956, and we watched Insidious, which I think is from 2010. And something I wanted to talk about before we start talking about the movies is the motion picture production code. And the reason I wanted us to talk about it a little bit is because we keep talking about censorship of these movies, mm-hmm. but we've never actually defined what that actually means in terms of the movies what it what impact it actually has sure uh, the impact it had on the movie we just watched is that they changed the ending of the movie because according to the motion picture production code you you can't get away with your crimes yeah. crime doesn't pay ever from the from 1934 until 1968 crime did not pay okay um, the motion picture production code was actually put into effect or created in 1930 but they didn't start enforcing it until 1934. So when we saw Frankenstein, it was in effect, but not being crime uh, really kind of paid, right? And Media pay. It, it wasn't being enforced. Okay. Uh, when you watch Bride of Frankenstein at that point, which you we didn't, but if you had watched Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. that one was definitely had some censorship enforced upon it. And nowadays, crime pays all the time. Yeah. Yes, because in 1968, they the code went away and they adopted the rating system that we have now, mm-hmm. which isn't really censorship except as you said earlier today when we were talking about it in the economic sense that if you want to get a big audience you may change your movie to attract yeah. the crowds you want but in a, the boobies yeah, if you're <laughs> yeah. making insidious you make it pg-13 so that teenagers can go see it when we're watching these older movies the motion predict- picture production code they had a series of basically don'ts you can't do these things and okay. be careful if you're handling this kind of material what can't you do what you cannot do, no profanity okay, no by profanity. either title or lip, whatever that means. <laughs> Couldn't say God, Lord, Jesus Christ. You can't Christ. be named Mr. Shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> they totally uh, said God a lot. Oh, my oh God. you can say oh God, God as long as it's actually sort of intending to be, uh, to mean God. Okay. Oh, you can't say God damn it. Right, you can't say God damn it. God damn it, and Bobby. You can't, you can't say hell damn. All those things are uh, don'ts. No licentious or suggestive nudity. Yeah, we could have used a lot more of that. <laughs> yeah. No, drug, no drug nudity. trafficking. Number three, no drug trafficking. There was totally pills being given from one neighbor to another. <laughs> she didn't give her any money for them. That's, That's true. true. No inference to sex perversion. Now, the movie we watched... Oh, there were a lot of... <laughs> there were facial expressions and things done. Hand a of, gestures. A lot of people being touched in ways that are weird. But nothing was overtly said. Except for when Leroy rubbed his finger suggestively. That was weird. Yeah. But. Right, uh, we'll get to that. Okay. We'll to that. No white slavery. <laughs> Great. No miscegenation. Okay. Perfect. No sex hygiene or venereal diseases. No scenes of actual childbirth either... Showing it, or even in silhouette. You well, they should have had that in the bad scene. Where's my childhood yeah. scene? Uh, children, you can't show children's sex organs. That's like, okay, okay. I'm all right, with, I'm all right yeah. with that one. Ridicule of the clergy was not allowed. 
and willful offense no. to any nation, race, or creed. So they were concerned about our our relationships with other countries and did not want you to uh, do anything in your movie that might Okay, so Red Dawn them. comes later. One of the movies that was used as an example of that in the book I was reading, which was called The Censorship Papers, was Treasure of the Sierra Madre, where apparently there were scenes of Mexicans walking barefoot or doing this or that, and hmm. they, they had to make them all... Put shoes on them. and Yeah, whatever. Wear sombreros or something. So then there's the be carefuls. And the be carefuls are things you just have to treat this material carefully. The <laughs> use of the flag. International relations, again. Okay. Arson. Cool. You had to be very careful not to show how arson could be committed. You'll notice in the movie we just watched, you didn't see her commit arson. How would it be committed? But we what heard... combination of matches and hay? <laughs> yeah, we heard her describe it. The use of firearms had to be carefully... Uh, Managed. We saw that. You in can only movie. shoot yourself off screen. <laughs> uh, theft, Carefully. robbery, safe cracking, and all of that sort of stuff had to be handled carefully. Oh. Brutality and possible gruesomeness. I'm not exactly sure what that means. They Tec- neither were they, I bet. The technique of committing murder by whatever method. So we, we did see that in the movie. Yeah, we, we saw. Watched. We saw the daughter. What's her name? Rhoda. We saw her. We heard that she strangled, but she didn't do it. She committed a crime and got away with it. Yeah. No, she didn't. Well, that's the movie ended with her not getting away with her crimes. This is that true. was specifically why it yeah, ended that way. I mean, she didn't get away with it because God struck her down, but she got away with the crime man's law, by man's law. By man's law, sure. You didn't get arrested, right? Uh, we didn't see the actual murders take mm. place. Uh, third degree methods. So I assume by that they mean like uh, torture or I'm not sure what third degree methods yeah, means. I've never heard that term. Uh, sympathy for criminals. Not not be very careful with that. Okay. Actual hangings or electrocutions, that was something that was changed in the movie we just saw, specifically because of this rule, and I'll tell you about that when we start talking about the movie. Okay. Uh, actual hangings. Um, attitude toward public characters and institutions. Oh, so like your politician, real people. Okay. Sedition. Apparent cruelty to children and animals. Oh. Branding of people or animals. The sale of women. Rape or attempted rape. First night scenes. Man Those are, and, these are be careful still. These are be careful. First night scene. Man and woman in bed together. So we all got kind of familiar with the fact that married couples didn't sleep in the same yeah. bed. Like in I Love Lucy. Yes, I was going to say. And in fact, from what I read, that was to Separate appease beds. British audiences. And they would actually go and measure the distance between the beds with a measuring tape to make sure they were far enough apart. Filthy oh, Brits. Uh, deliberate seduction of girls, the institution of marriage, surgical operations... The use of drugs, titles or scenes having to do with law enforcement, and excessive or lustful kissing. In fact, they would sometimes time the kissing, and they could never kiss with open mouths. Yeah, it's like an Indian movie. Like, like a Bollywood, Bollywood movies, Bollywood. they never show kissing until right. more recently. So that's it. That explains a lot in this movie that we just saw, though, because yeah. the dad who was in the military was outside of the movie for this whole time, and maybe that was one way they were careful not to... Yeah, implicate like well, military that actually is true in the book as well. Oh, okay. In the book, he's away for the vast majority of the book. Was this code only for movies? Was it the movie yes. code? Yes. Okay. The movie that we just watched, uh, The Bad Seed, was from a book that was published in 1954. This happened really quickly. Oh wow! Yeah. By the end of the year, it was a play on Broadway. The actress that we saw in the movie is the same actress that was the star in the play, as was the child, oh, uh, cool. Patty, Patty McCormick. Well, she's good. Um, she was excellent. The woman won a Tony for her performance. The woman being the mom, right? The mom won okay. a Tony, and 
they were both nominated for Academy Awards for the film, and the mom, I believe, won an Academy Award. It sounded something. What about little like Patty McCormick? Patty she McCormick was great. They might. Bad. I think they might have been nominated for Golden Globe as well. Yeah, she deserved but it. But Patty McCormick. Here's the here's the thing I find most interesting about Patty McCormick. Yes, she's still acting. What so is she in? She yeah. was she played Pat Nixon in Frost Nixon. Okay. And she was in The Master as a character. Oh, and she's got stuff coming out. Um, I don't think like a major character. Okay. We watched The Master. I just don't remember. I can't imagine what character she played. Yeah. She has been acting since apparently when she was a teen. She started getting into like juvenile. Delinquent. Was she a bad seed? Yeah. If you look at her whole career, there were a few times where she didn't work for a year or maybe two years. But since 1956, she's been working steadily. That's nice. cool. Way to go, Patty McCormick. That's a success story for a Hollywood child actor. Yeah. And she seemed really happy, too. Um, yeah. okay. And she said that this experience was a very good experience and that the director was, you know, really great to work with. What about at the end when she got spanked, though? That's that, weird. I think, is part of the play. That's not uh, part of the book, obviously. I saw that on IMDb. That was the one <clears> spoiler <throat> I saw, is that they spank her at the end of the play to like make everybody feel okay right. when they leave to the theater. To alleviate tension for the audience. Instead of feeling bad that she kills everyone and gets away with it. Cool. And then because, as we saw, because the there's a twist, I don't know, there's some kind of surprise ending, so they tell the audience in a message at the end not to tell other people what happened at the end. But we'll tell you. She, she gets she gets struck by God. She like she gets <laughs> she lightning. Struck by lightning. Yes, it's cool. She's she's using a a net to try and fish out her prized metal from the wharf, yeah. and uh, and then she in the gets, middle of a storm. Yeah, she gets struck by lightning. And the wharf blows up. So now we need to sort of give a brief synopsis of the movie. All right, which movie do you want to start with? Let's start with Bad Seed. All right. I can do it. You do it with the Bad Seed. <laughs> you know the most about I, the Bad Seed. I read the book, and now I have watched the movie. So The Bad Seed is about uh, a mother and daughter. The father is away uh, and goes off to a work assignment. I don't think he's in the military in the book, but that's in the uh, movie. He's, he's in the military. He's in Washington, D.C. So he's out of the picture for most of the story. Increasingly, the mother becomes aware that her daughter may sucks. be <laughs> murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> and may have murdered people in the past, and she just starts to get these clues. Now I can't remember what's... St- oh, well, okay, so the, 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 main, right, the, main, the main piece of the story is that it starts out at a child's picnic. The daughter, the child, Rhoda Penmark, mm-hmm. uh, is upset that she didn't win the penmanship medal that is yeah, given at the place. end of the year. It's given to a little boy named Claude Daigle. Mm-hmm. Then they have the end of the year picnic. At the end of the year picnic, Claude Daigle drowns mysteriously, and the penmanship medal goes missing. And all of this drowning and the picnic all happen off screen. You yes. actually find out about this later. The mom and her friends are all sitting around eating lunch, and they turn on friends. the radio, and there's a message saying, Some child has died at this picnic, and then there's a follow up message saying, What child died? Prior to that, you know that Rhoda was upset about not getting the penmanship medal and that Claude Daigle was the winner of the penmanship medal. And then just things develop from there. The mother starts noticing more things. She becomes suspicious. People, other people are already suspicious. Uh, One of the school administrators comes over and is very weird Mm. and says, well, we don't think she did it. I didn't say that. That was weird. That scene made no sense to me. uh, There were some extenuating circumstances. 
They uh, seem to think that she that Rhoda committed this crime, and then later it's like, Rhoda committed this crime? I couldn't imagine how you thought that. Uh, I just chalked that up to, like, <clears throat> women trying to be polite in a weird way to each other, even though... Well, all of the acting was pretty weird Yeah, throughout the whole thing. Half yes, the characters immediately are suspicious of Rhoda, and the other half are never suspicious of her all the way up to the end. Right, so uh, Christine Penmark's best friend, from the landlady from upstairs... Monica. Monica Breedlove. Yeah. Uh, it just is in love with Rhoda, the child. <laughs> Monica Breedlove. Monica That's Breedlove. That's a hilarious character. Mm-hmm. Um, Amateur psychiatrist. Then we learn later on, I'm going to skip to the end, because everything that happens is really just more discovery on the part of the mother. Yeah. The movie's really about the mother. Rhoda commits more crimes. <laughs> Rhoda commits more crimes. The mother eventually knows for certain that she committed these crimes. Yeah. Uh, one of the last things that Rhoda does is there's a very unpleasant groundskeeper who unfortunately figures out how she murdered the Daigle boy. Kind of accidentally. Kind of I accidentally. Guess. He's teasing her. It's very similar to what happens in the book. Actually, it's a, explained much better in the book. But <laughs> he's teasing her. He's telling you know he doesn't think she murdered anyone. He's just teasing her and saying that she did. Mm-hmm. Then he accidentally stumbles on the actual method of murder then he realizes that she murdered him and he gets real scared uh turns out he takes naps on this pile of basically dry straw in the (laughs) basement and rhoda lights the whole thing on fire and he is horribly killed none of which you see because you can't see that but you you see see the mother looking at it it is the point where the mother reaches you know it's the final straw for the mother she looks out the window she sees Oh, what's the guy's name? Leroy. Leroy. She sees Leroy, apparently in flames, we don't see it, running down the sidewalk trying to escape certain death, and then he dies. I want to ask about the book, and the play maybe, since you know more about that. Leroy's character is introduced in this movie as, he has. The, they say he has a mind of an eight-year-old, but he has a family. And then he very clearly does not have the mind of an eight-year-old. He seems like a just mean, old, basically mean adult. Is that explained at all? What goes up with that? They don't say he has a mind of an eight-year-old in the book. I think that they did that in the movie in an attempt to help the audience understand that he has a lot in common with Rhoda, who is an eight-year-old. Okay. In the book, he admires Rhoda, obviously, before he finds out how dangerous she is. Yeah, he, But he treats her exactly the way that you see. It's only yeah. in his mind, in his thoughts, you learn, and in the voice of the, the writer, that you understand that he thinks she's pretty great. Oh. But yeah, I don't get he also doesn't really like anyone, and he's used to children being afraid of him, and his goal is to get Rhoda to be afraid of him. By That's well, why that he keeps sense. saying things. You know... The, he's twisted in the book. And it, Monica Breedlove, the landlord lady, was the one who described Leroy as this mind of an eight-year-old simple man. Yeah. Monica Breedlove is also the one who is so praise, like, so praiseworthy of, uh, not praiseworthy, she praises um, Rhoda, the the child, a lot. And, and thinks, rewards her constantly. Yeah, rewards her constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't know, she's got these thoughts of these two characters that are like, not what they actually are at all. I guess so. He doesn't have a family in the movie. He does I mean, have a family in the book. Okay, because she says he's got might have been eight-year-old, but he has a family, and he... They never, never show see them. anybody. He never actually mentions them. In fact, the way. only reason that they mention it in the movie is to give an excuse for Monica Breedlove not to fire him for his bad <laughs> yeah, behavior. Because mm-hmm. he sucks. Yeah. Because he's mean and nasty and doesn't seem very good at his job. Right. So the way the movie ends, the mother finally realizes. 
Well, okay, there's an important piece missing. The mother, also in the course of the movie, discovers that that she is an adopted child. Mm -hmm. That she was adopted by a journalist who was covering a story about her actual mother who was a mass murderer. Yeah. Who escaped, which surprised me. Her mother does not escape in the book. No. Uh, The fact that she escaped to Australia... Uh, it's really that? surprising, actually. Yeah, crime's supposed to not pay. Right. In yeah, the book... That's weird. They describe a pretty horrific... Um, they describe the newspaper stories about her mother, which end with photographs of her mother being electrocuted. Oh. Horrific photographs of how she died. Hmm. And if I remember correctly, the censors would not allow that. <laughs> and all I can think is they had her escape to Australia to avoid having to talk about the fact that she was actually electrocuted, which is one of the be-carefuls on the mm-hmm. list. Um, so anyway, in the course of the movie, the mother discovers that her own mother was a mass murderer. They discuss whether nature or nurture could have possibly caused Rhoda to be the same. Most people disagree that nature is at fault, but at the end, the doctor does say one in a million, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So the mother feels she's responsible for her daughter and her behavior. She wants to protect her. She doesn't want her to be electrocuted or live horribly or be examined. And so she attempts to kill Rhoda with sleeping pills and shoots herself. I thought it was strange that they build this thing out where, uh, was it Catherine's mom? What's the mom's name? Christine. Christine's mom is a serial killer or a mass murderer. And they kind of imply like, oh, this is genetic. But... I was kind of expecting them to say, like, oh, when Christine was young, she killed somebody or something. Right. To you at least kept, draw this we're line. talking about her mother, whose name was... Betty, Bessie Dinker. Bessie Dinker. You guys kept saying, is she really Bessie Dinker? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, thought she was going to be. That would make more sense to me. As it turned out, she wasn't Bessie Dinker. She was Bessie Dinker's child. Ingold. Ingold Dinker. The names of this movie are great. Pretty weird. Um, when I was designing the cocktail that we had earlier for this show, what a fine cocktail! The bad seeds, really which I'll post information about. That when we get around to Insidious, that the genetic connection between mm-hmm. parent and child is mm-hmm. also a major plot point. For sure, and also the hidden mm-hmm. information. <laughs> yeah, it's also the key to explaining everything. Parents withholding information from their children for probably decades. two decades. Yeah. Yeah, that's the key. Know. Maybe right. three, who knows? So as it turns out, in The Bad Seed, Christine's father, whose name right now I can't remember. Uh, Kenneth. And he, no, that's her husband. This is Richard Bravo. Richard, oh, Richard Bravo, Bravo, her writer, her famous writer dad. He actually knew this all along, of course, obviously, because he adopted her, but had kept it a secret from her her whole life. I, I took some notes during this movie for the first half and then eventually got bored and stopped taking notes. And a lot of the notes I took of what was meaningful early on turned out to not be meaningful at all. And I was really curious if this was part of the book or just nothing. So when they describe Leroy, they don't just say he's an eight-year-old with a a mind of an eight-year-old with a family. They also, Monica describes that he is torn by irrational rages. And that never comes up. No. He's just kind of a He's butt. a meme. And he's mostly mean to Rhoda, but mm-hmm. he's also creeping on everybody early on in the movie, and he really kind of never does anything with that. Yeah, you see him looking at the mom. And he says something about the mom, too. He he's does. Like, oh, he does. Oh, she'll really be good. lonely when and her that, husband's then, gone. He goes into a lot more detail in the book okay. as to what he wants to do to the mom and how he, he feels oh, okay. about her. 
He think he describes her as basically being a dumb blonde. She's mm. described as being pretty beautiful in the book. Okay. The actress that played her in the movie, I actually kind of liked because she was not. Yeah. And that was the other the other one that I'd written down was that when Claude Daigle's mom shows up drunk after Claude's dead, uh, she describes like how the mom Christine is like, "Oh, you're so rich and you're a superior person and you're part of this upper class and." I, I mean, she lives in a nice house, and I, I guess she does seem like she is wealthy, although she does live with some other people in her house. She lives in an apartment. Yeah, that never Not comes true. up in any really meaningful way. I kept waiting for it to be like, oh, this is... Because she, she, she got privileged to get to this school for Rhoda or something, but it just... You know, that doesn't come right. Is that a part of the book or the play? Anyway? Yeah, I mean, she, her daughter is going to a pretty... Selective school, which okay. is which is a private school, so they're paying for that. But Claude too. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Claude goes. He's going to the same school. Hmm. And she's living off of one, well, of one of the salary of a, I don't know, soldier, lieutenant. Yeah, but he's an officer. Yeah. An do officer? you think it has to do with um, trying to show this whole nature versus nurture thing, and like um, the this the mom of Claude Daigle is trying to say like, oh, look at you, you're so. You know, she's saying you're so rich. You're you've got you come from a from like good breeding, high society, and I think it's just supposed. Maybe it's supposed to point to like that tension of maybe. no matter how rich well, I you think, are. I I think maybe one of the reasons where there's a gap in that is that they never show any of the poor people or where they live. Like we see Leroy, but we never see where he lives, and we mm-hmm. see. Mrs. Daigle, but we never actually see her home. And she looks pretty good, yeah, aside from fine. being super drunk, and her husband's in a suit all the time. Well, I think part of the problem with that is that she looks good to us because people don't wear suits. Yeah, because people or are wear a dress all the time. I guess I'm sure that her clothes, which she describes as not simple, she says, "Yeah, I try to wear simple clothes, but I get them home and they're whatever not simple that means, anymore." Whatever she meant by that, it meant something, right? Yeah, yeah I don't it didn't know. Make any sense to me? I was expecting with my modern screenwriter brain that at some point mrs penmark would offer like be like oh i will pay money to have rhoda like i've got some money and i'm going to spread around to take care of these crimes or make sure she stays in the school something to to follow up on what this something she does do in the book that is not mentioned in the movie is she offers to pay for claude's funeral right there you go that would make no 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 sorry she offers to pay for Leroy's funeral Okay. So there's a lot, a little bit but more space But even that would make more sense that. of like, she's got wealth and here's her spending it to kind of cover up for Rhoda. But in the movie that really just is mentioned and doesn't come up. She again. was offended, in fact. Um, Christine, the mom, was offended that the teacher would say, the, the teacher told her to buy her own flowers specifically for Claude Daigle's death. Kind of yeah. to say like, hey, you're the one who caused it. So. Right. Right. Yeah, I was. I wrote that down as like, oh, this is an important thing, and it's not. It was kind of important in the book. Okay, yeah, that's what I was wondering. If this... <laughs> in the book, also the school is owned, there's like three Fern sisters. We only ever see one in the play, but in the book there are three Fern sisters, and they run this school. And they all agree that Rhoda can't come back, and they also all agree that they're not going to invite Rhoda to contribute to the flowers, because although, the, as in that scene, she keeps saying... You know, maybe this happened and maybe that happened. I don't think Rhoda murdered the Claude, Claude Daigle. 
but it actually seems like she really does think he. Mm-hmm. She I mean, why else would they have her ask to buy her own flowers? Right, that's she the was, implication. That is Kept the implication. about the actress did a very weird like job on that actors in this movie on that particular scene. It was like half the time it seemed like she was accusing Rhoda, and half the time it seemed like she was saying, "No, no, no, I never would say something like that." Yeah, yeah, it was weird. The acting was very melodramatic. That movie was too long. And it was too it long. It was very long. When the mom figures out what's the deal with Rhoda, you expect the movie will end, and it just goes on and on and on and on after that. Yep. Although everything that happens seems like it needs to happen. It just ha- took too long for things to get resolved yeah. in I, each scene. I thought that the movie should have ended with the mom poisoning Rhoda and giving her the sleeping pills and the mom shooting herself in the head because that would have taken care of crime doesn't pay because we can assume that Rhoda died from taking like 12 pills. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of pills. And we can assume that the mom had successfully shot herself in the head, but I don't think we had to go this extra step of like 30 more minutes of Rhoda being so driven by greed or whatever to go get her metal out of the water and yeah, be killed by lightning. It's made very clear in the book that Rhoda is driven by greed for everything. That's all she really cares about is possessions. And she's described as, I learned the meaning of this word from reading this book. Oh, now I can't remember the Avarice. No, it's uh, being See. concerned with the getting of things. And uh, I'll, I can't accumulation. No, 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 no. Rhoda Whatever. disease. Whatever. <laughs> so the character of Rhoda in the book is a sociopath, although I've been told there's no such thing as a sociopath. Is that a thing now or is that know. not a thing? I thought that was a thing. I thought it was a thing, <laughs> right. too. Let's right. just pretend it's a thing. I think that's She's a, a thing. sociopath. She doesn't have any feelings or empathy. She doesn't have any friends. The only thing she cares about, the, the kids are scared of her. Yeah. The only thing she cares about is acquiring things. Oh, it's acquisitive was the word. Acquisitive. Acquisitive. Weird. Just like acquire, but oh, acquisitive. It's cool. a person who likes to acquire things. That's not word. She's described as acquisitive by a psychologist who examines her at some point. I, I was going to go off what Karen was saying, which is that I assume for reasons of censorship, this is not how the movie ends. But right. if the movie makers wanted to have an end where Rhoda dies and the mom survives, you could just have... Yeah, the why didn't she just die? And then a five minutes later have the a doc a scene with the doctor going, She made it. The end. But the mom was kind of bad the mom turned out to be a bad person in oh, this for movie. Sure. She too. was committing some bad act. She's she was an accomplice after the fact. She was trying to hide her daughter's criminal activity, conceal it and make sure her daughter didn't get caught. She felt guilty about it because she's like, I didn't know that I was the daughter of a murderer, and now I've given birth to this murderer's daughter, and now let me just try to hide as much as I can. Well, I don't mean that it's, like, I don't mean it to be a good thing, but the way this movie ends, the this censored version of the movie, Rhoda dies, the mom survives, you don't need a half an hour or ten minutes or fifteen right. minutes to do that, you just have five minutes after the mom shoots herself, a scene where the doctor goes, she just barely made it, and we're gonna arrest her i think we needed to see rhoda in another bomb outfit because rhoda's outfits in this movie (laughs) was just they were just so beautiful impeccable dresses and shoes and everything one thing she wore which is her dress and pigtails now she had like a collection of pinafores yeah she had many many different dresses (laughs) she was changing her shoes like 
all throughout the movie, it was just she she Did had the greatest she had the greatest clothes, and we needed to see her in her raincoat, slicker, oh, yeah, and hat, cool. and boots. Oh. I mean, as a man, all I saw was Richard Bravo's outfit was great, and I was like, I want to wear that bow tie. And Richard hat. Bravo's <laughs> outfit was great. All the outfits in this also movie, also Nikki Hortense's pretty great. Hat. Yeah, and the one lady, uh, the Mrs. Fern or Miss Fern, when she showed up with that weird Ooh, tie I love under that her t- collar. Yeah, that collar. I don't know. Was that a teacher thing back then or what? Who knows? That I loved that. I loved that. Super look. weird. So I think we should clarify how the movie ends versus how the play ends. Yeah, please. Or the book. I I think the play ends like the book, but the book ends with the mother shoots herself in the head. She dies. Okay. Rhoda gets the sleeping pills, but because of the gunshot, they Doctors save her. Time. And then the father comes home, and then they go on about their business. Just oh, like right. a real horror movie, right? Yeah. The horror movie yeah, always ends is it? with the it's monster hideous. getting yeah. away with it. And the play and the book both end that way. In this movie, they did that ending, and I think the reason the ending was too long is they went ahead and did the original ending, and then they did this tacked on top of it, this stuff they needed to do to get past the censors, which is... Mom has to survive for some reason, and then Rhoda has to die, and the way that she dies is super stupid. She's yeah. struck by lightning. Although, the scene of her, and I mentioned it when we were watching it, yeah. the very best scenes of the, in this movie, cinem, cinematic... Oh yeah, it's graph, a much cinema, more interesting movie. What's the word I'm Cinematography? Cinematographically, whatever that yeah, word whatever. is. Yeah, whatever. Are the scenes of Rhoda <laughs> getting on her slicker, yeah. going through the rain... Playing with the fence, getting going yeah. down. That's the only pier. scene in the movie where the camera moves then that I can the, think of. That's the only scene in the movie that feels like a horror movie, too. Really, oh, yeah. just like it had the most uh, contrast in it, too. Mm-hmm. The highest yeah. contrast. Because mm-hmm. every scene in this movie that I can think of is shot like a play. It's a single camera, almost certainly, almost specifically stuck in one place, showing some stuff, and it'll cut. I seem to recall that they did do some very specific. Cinemagraphic. I don't, I can't remember what that word is now. Cinemagraphic. That's not right. Cinema- anyway, I'm gonna say it's right. Cinema- Good. Good. Good shooting. They did some things to try to make it more dynamic within the confines of the single room that they mostly. But that it final over. scene is like following her. <clears throat> the camera's like following her down the street, and then it pans over, and there's the water, and she goes to the water. It's a wide shot the, of the pier. Yeah, there's so much more going on, and the music is swelling, and she's doing. There's like sound and music and stuff. Meanwhile. No one's saying a thing, and it's just like the image and the sound speaking for itself. Yeah, the, rest she, of the, the speed, you know, like the way that the she, the way that the actress is walking, just so determined. And yes, good. and she was really good in this. Yeah, oh, she was great. I love. I have a new woman crush Wednesday, and it's Patty McCormick in this movie because she's so <laughs> she evil really and she's so young and talented. She kind of reminds me of um, a young Kirsten Dunst in this movie. And she kind of did that thing that Scarlett Johansson did in Under the Skin, Skin, where her face, her expressions when she needed to be doing something, Mm -hmm. when she was trying to... She's very expressive up to a point. And she she genuinely looked happy, but then if she turned her face away... But like when she was hugging her mom after saying, what will you give me if mm-hmm. I give you a bag of kisses? Mm-hmm. She turns her face and her face is completely, it's not even blank. There's a little bit yeah. of anger and... Also, they gave her a terrifying haircut <laughs> of like... Betty bangs. Straight bangs, big pigtails. It wasn't straight bangs. It was Betty bangs. What are Betty bangs? Betty Page. You know. There's a little curve. She had yeah. like big pointy eyebrows too. She really did. made her look angry when she was angry. Yeah, she was very good at looking angry. But she yeah. had the straight, perfectly braided pigtails. 
uh, yeah, I think that this this actress was so talented. More than any of the other older movies we've watched, this movie would still work today. Like, if you updated it to 2016 in terms of some of the language and stuff, this would totally still be a scary Oh, movie. yeah. Like, you take this premise exactly. And yeah, and they scary. did attempt a remake. I think it was on TV, which was not anywhere. It was just basically nobody remembers that that even okay. happened. And then there was the one that you mentioned, The Good Son. Yeah, with, Eli- uh, with Macaulay Culkin, Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Which, I think Macaulay Culkin's the bad guy. In I'm that? pretty sure he is the bad one in that. As a bad boy instead of a bad girl. And it is a th- it's the similar theme. He's definitely a sociopath and he kills people, right? I so. think so. I see. I barely remember the Good Son, but because of that, when you said we were watching the Bad Seed, in my mind, I was like, oh, it's a little evil boy. Mm. And then when we started watching the movie, I'm like, oh, I don't well, know what this movie's about. I think about. that's also kind of interesting about this movie is that they chose a little girl mm-hmm. in this in the 1950s they chose to make the evil child a little girl instead of a little boy yeah oh, there were plenty of movies about evil little boys definitely packs a punch like you you think like oh you know little girls just supposed to be perfect and they're supposed to be sweet and polite and, and she acts that way yeah she acts she, 100% she totally does and she like you can feel it that there's something under there all at the same time. I also think that it makes it works a little better because everyone's able to just write off her behavior that much easier because mm-hmm. it's just like she was out on that wharf, but then she came back, so she's probably nothing we should talk yeah. to. Yeah. And I think that if it was a little boy, you kind of expect little boys to have bad behavior. <laughs> you would mm-hmm. expect them to fight each other. Yeah. That would be it maybe not wouldn't work as well. But I still think this movie would totally work. Now. Yeah, I mean, like the whole theme of of the not present but saintly father and yeah. the present but like slowly driven to insanity mother and the evil children. Like that's insidious, you know, right like, there. That, that's a great segue that's into our modern day <laughs> movie. So these themes definitely carry on into the you know the two thousand tens, and here we are with Insidious. I think she might have been the first one too. First one, like the first evil child. Oh, okay. The first horror movie, Evil Child. Karen and I watched Children of the Core. Oh, boy, uh, did we. That's from the 60s. In October, from the 60s, based on a Stephen King novel from some time before, a short story from some time before that. But it is the same evil little children as the, like, crux of what you're supposed to be scared of. They're going to they're gonna surprise you and stab you. Or, that's the same primal fear you're, you're relying on there. Should we talk about Insidious? Do you want to do the summary? You've seen the movie twice. I so have, have the seen best the movie chance twice. Of explaining. So Insidious is about this perfect little family. We've got yeah. we've got the um, housewife who's trying to write a song. What's her name in the movie? I don't know. I'm gonna look up names. some of the names of this. Yeah, I, I thought their names for a moment either. when this movie started, <laughs> she was trying to write a play, She's like a musical. Yeah, I, I was Insidious. Sure. No, Insidious, she's just trying to write songs. Okay. We've got the husband who is a school teacher. We've got the wife who's a stay-at-home mom slash songwriter. We've got child one, child two, and child point right, five. I can give you the, the character names real quick. So the dad is Josh Lambert, played by Patrick Wilson. Uh, Renee Lambert, which if you have the subtitles Josh on... Josh and Renee. It's R-E-N-A-I. Which is terrible. Terrible. Yeah. I don't know, but it is. It's right. Renee. Uh, there is the insidious son, Dalton. Foster is the older brother, he said. I thought he was the older brother. He looks brother. a little older. And he does. Callie, the baby. Yes. So the movie Insidious is about a family that, that gets broken up. Um, 
I don't know. I'm a little drunk, honestly. Here, let, I'll, <laughs> let, I'll let me jump in here. Wait, hold on. Let's see if I can try this. So far, not I'm, so good. I'm two and a half drinks in, but Insidious is a movie about a mother who um, starts to go go a little, get a little, I don't know. Jacob, <laughs> yeah, jump in here. Okay, I'm drunk. So the I'm sorry. The I'm smart in real life. Hey, hold on. <laughs> the movie starts with the Lamberts. They've moved into a, they've just moved into a new house. Do they explain why they've just moved? No, but that they, they do this thing where they kind of are vague about the reason why they move, where the dad says, well, you know, we're, we're here to start over, and we're hoping that we're, we can move away from all of this. She also says something like, I'm so glad that you are allowing me to do this. Doesn't yeah, she, at some point? she does. So, so it's I'm gonna... maybe they're downsizing into this beautiful house. It's a giant home. <laughs> so let me let me also say up front as I describe this: if you haven't seen Insidious, the very first, the first half, first two thirds of this movie, and the second half or third are like from two different movies. Yep. So I'm going to describe the plot, and then if it starts to become a little jumbled by the end, that is not my fault here. <laughs> so the Lamberts move into a new house. There is the mom and dad. Oh, sorry, I've already forgotten. It's Dalton. Renee. Renee and Josh. Josh. Renee is a stay-at-home mom. They have three kids, and she's very put upon. There is two young boys, Dalton and... Foster. Foster, and then a new infant, Callie. And I think you get from the very beginning that there's some problem between the two, the couple. There yes. is. They, That's you get a very little clear. tension between them. Oh, for sure. He, mean, is, he is out of the house the whole day. She's got three children that she's trying to take care of he's like staying out late at work and she's trying to work and she he, whenever he comes home she's like oh i just didn't get to do any of the stuff i wanted to do today and he's like oh that sucks well good see night <laughs> pta meeting gotta go yeah uh which does not pay off at all by the end of the movie <laughs> but renee is watching these three kids they move into this house there is something mildly spooky about the house. She puts her books on the bookshelf, and they're all knocked on the floor. And she says, Dalton, I saw you knock my books off. And he's like, I didn't knock any of your books down. Let's just skip to the point where Dalton goes into the attic, climbs a ladder, falls, hits his head, and then later falls into a deep sleep coma. Yeah. They, Which they, the doctor say is not a coma. They yeah. catch three months later. Damaged. The doctor says, his brain's not damaged. We don't know. Medical He's science just doesn't asleep. know nothing. He's super asleep. Uh, it's three months later. The dad is staying really late at work. Renee uh, is dealing with a sick child, and she's giving him at-home care, which is very stressful and very sad. She's trying to take care of all these kids. She's... Working on music, she's trying to compose music and is not doesn't have a lot of time for it. At one point, she her her music has disappeared, and then she finds it up in the attic. Which it's her shame. And then there's a never... super scary furnace up there that lights yes. on fire with a. And yeah. We, your dad and Maggie were saying, "I want it to sprout legs and run." You know, she's around. Uh, like in um, a Hayao Miyazaki movie. <laughs> the first big. Th- scare let's say is that she hears on the baby monitor a it voice it was very scary yeah yeah she hears on the baby monitor while she's downstairs an a insidious voice, voice saying you know i'm gonna come get you i'm gonna eat you i want it i yeah. want it and you're like hey and you the babies cr- start yeah. screaming you don't want to hear any man's voice saying that to a baby like that's terrifying so she's hearing that on the baby monitor she runs up she's waiting and listening to it in shock and then she finally runs up there once it gets very intense to find nothing. And then the spookiness gradually increases. She starts seeing 
uh, spooky things in the house. Um, there's like 500 jump scares. Yeah. yeah, there's 500 jump scares. It's definitely of the classic, like, a big loud piano noise or violin noise, and then something appears and then disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Eventually, and she is telling her husband this throughout the movie, and he is both dismissive but not completely dismissive. He's right. like... I hear what you're saying. This doesn't make a lot of sense, but whatever you want to do, honey, I'm going to... Right. It's like he's being supportive because he's supposed to. Yes. What I loved about this movie is that that period between the wife saying that something scary happening and the husband saying, no, something scary isn't happening, you're not... I don't actually believe you. Like, that period is so short that it's so satisfying. Maybe like 10 minutes later in the movie... He experiences something scary, too. And it's like, finally, a movie that, you know, like, that shows that, that it's not dragging on, that she's scared by herself and yeah. the husband doesn't believe her. It's so satisfying to see that in, almost immediately. And this movie moves. Like, yeah. In, in, compar- in uh, comparison to even other horror movies from this era, it is it has a very brisk pace. I like that about this movie. Me, too. Early on, uh, while she's seeing some scary things, her... Mother-in-law shows up. Wait. That he doesn't show up they until move. they move. Doesn't she? She shows up the mm-hmm. day that they're moving mm-hmm. in. She's okay. helping her So unpack. basically, something happens in the house where the husband is awakened. Is oh, the where? alarm goes off. Oh, yeah. This is the original. This is their first house. The alarm goes off. The door is open. He locks it. You she know, sees somebody. She sees a figure. Yeah, a figure in the baby's room. So a whole bunch of stuff happens. And, and then, the then I bloody think, handprint on the sheet, on Dalton's sheet. Dalton is sick, and he's. Just, and I believe that's the point where the husband says, "Okay, I agree. Move. This is a haunted house. Let's move to a different house." And they do. And they move they to a different and house. And, and then when they get there, the mother-in-law is there helping her. And something really interesting happens in that scene where she looks at a photo, a family photograph, mm-hmm, and says, mm-hmm, "I'm mm-hmm. really surprised you got Josh to stand still for this." Yeah. And there's eerie music playing, and it's like, "What's that all about?" Yeah. Who cares? You find out in the end. You do. Uh, the mother-in-law sees something spooky almost immediately, and she's like, your wife is right. There's something wrong. Uh, the wife, almost like the day they move oh, in. Well, she, the mother-in-law explains that the, later, yeah. she explains, the reason I showed up on day one is because I had a dream. That oh, I yeah. had a dream that something wasn't right. And then when she is with her in the house... She sees something, something, and then she immediately calls the psychic, whose name I can't remember, of course. Elise. Elise Rainier. Who is there when the husband comes home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. The wife, basically the day they move in, the wife sees a ghost in the house. And is like, this thing has followed us. Things are still bad. Uh, The mother-in-law calls Elise... Oh, it's a priest that's there. Oh, no, she calls a priest first. Yeah, that's what's there when the husband comes home. Right, and the husband's like, And that's why he's so dismissive of it. He's Mm -hmm. like, why would you bring a priest in here? This is silly. But then she also brings in Elise, and then she And her two paranormal investigators. She starts getting into all of her shit, and then he says, look at what you're doing. You're just, like, trying to capitalize off of a sick boy and his family. You need to get on out of here. Please leave. I don't want you here. Right, so he shoos Elise away after Mm -hmm. she describes what she sees. Let me explain as best I can what Elise tells them. She tells them that their son who's in a coma is the one who's haunted, not the house, because he is an astral projector. That is important. When he's asleep, (laughs) and he doesn't realize it, but when he's asleep, he travels out of his body uh, and thinks he's dreaming, but actually he's traveling around and he's traveled too far into the further, and because he's gone to the further, his his soul is trapped there, 
and ghosts and spirits are attacking his physical body to try and possess it. In particular, a demon or a specially bad spirit who wants to cause pain to his family, who is the closest to being able to possess his body, to be able to... <laughs> take over his body, and they have to solve his problem before right. that monster takes over his body. I love the paranormal science in this movie, Insidious. All right, but here's great. where the... That's the point where the movie... And now the movie has... I was watching ends. a horror movie mm-hmm. with a bunch of jump scares, and now I'm watching Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's just Poltergeist. And at this point, the movie is as completely flipped. Now there is... Elise and her two young paranormal investigators, Specs and... Other guy. Other guy, bearded guy. <laughs> the big nerdy guy mm-hmm. and the little nerdy guy. Yeah, the little guy who are dressed like uh, Specs. Mormons who come to your door to give you pamphlets. They're also yeah. like an eternal sunshine, sunshine of a spotless wow. mind where Elijah Wood and... Specs and Tucker. <laughs> so yeah, the movie just kind of turns into this whole thing of like this mother slowly being driven insane by potentially ghosts or potentially the stress of raising three children by herself um, with the husband gone out of the house into this movie about how this husband who is afflicted by this astral projecting sickness um, or whatever. Because you find out that the dad, when he was a boy, also astral projected. Into the further. Also into the further and a ghost was trying to possess him that you could only see when you took photos of her. And every time you took a photo, she got closer to possessing him. Which is why his mother why he was doesn't surprised. like having photos taken mm-hmm. to this day. And then at the end, the dad has to astral project to go save his son. Yeah, it's much, much like the mother in Poltergeist. I just I love that part in Poltergeist. But in yeah. Poltergeist, they tie the mother with a rope, and she jumps through the hole into hell the or further. whatever to to go and find her daughter. And then she grabs her and pulls her out. I was talking to Jacob about this movie, Insidious, and I was saying that this movie would have been such a better movie if the mother turns out that she was an astral projector when she was a child, and her mother told her, actually, the thing that's happening with Dalton right now happened to you as a child, and it's up to you to save your son. But no, the movie has to come in with this whole thing about how the man has to save his child, and the man is the hero, the movie wouldn't. The movie would have been so much better if, after the wife, after had, spending all this time with the wife, like having the, with the wife, you know, facing all these troubles of being haunted and not knowing what to do. Now she knows what to do, and now she knows how to save her son. That would have been such a better movie. But no, yeah. we, well, we had to. Turn maybe it, it into, was. Maybe they just failed to communicate or failed to deliver what they meant. Because when I watched it, I thought maybe the point of it was that the husband. He was very distant, Mm -hmm. maybe because of this trauma in his past, perhaps. Probably. And that this was a way for him to be... uh, Come to terms with it. Right, to come to terms with it and become more part of their family again by having to be the one that... But maybe they they may not have completed that. That would have been also a better movie if they had like drawn that... That storyline a bit better, but they but also—I like, mean, they only the dad's did a, not even in the movie for the first right. hour. They only did the vaguest amount of explaining that there was any kind of problem between the couple to begin mm-hmm. with. They never delved into it. Mm-hmm. They didn't give us enough of the meat of that, mm-hmm. and then they didn't really give us enough of the meat of why. Also, how is it? Why is it important for him to save his son? You know, the mm-hmm. mom is mm-hmm. terrified. For th- the first half of this movie is all about the mom being driven crazy by these ghosts, but she believes that they're ghosts, and no one believes her. But then they do, and then she has basically no 
at, like, has no part of the climax of this movie at all. She passes the baton to her husband, literally, when she says, you're the only one who can save him. And she him, just watches whatever. him through. She's in the room when he solves, when he fights the monster. I mean, honestly, if I were her, I would have been happy to pass that baton <laughs> myself. Like, go ahead. You can deal with <laughs> these fucking ghosts in the further. I I would rather just stay here <laughs> in go real to life. Hotel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm like, I think it would have been a better movie if what Deb was saying was right. Like if this whole movie was all about the husband coming to terms with his reality or what I was saying, like if the, if the wife who was going through all these problems in the beginning, like overcame them. Right. That makes sense because they spent so much time developing the wife. Mm -hmm. It would have been a better movie if the wife had moved forward. If or they could have put more time into the husband and brought yeah. him more into it. Then he could, you know, then it would have yeah. been better. But we we are dabbling in horror movie land. And sometimes, like, a <laughs> horror movie is, like, not the best movie, but plot-wise, but it's just so entertaining. I thought Insidious was a great horror movie. I, I did not like Insidious it's got, it's got the jump scares you want. It's fast-paced. It moves. It moves itself. Like, you don't have to... You're not really waiting for anything to happen or you're not bored and insidious. I would have liked, I don't know, I liked the beginning quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Were there credits at the beginning? I seem to recall, oh, there were a lot of images of the yeah. house. In the opening scenes, there was some eerie music playing, mm-hmm. and then they were showing shots of the house, and in every single shot, there was some weird thing, yeah. like mm. a face or something uh, swinging that for no reason. or And that yeah, was all really stuff. cool. And then they started the movie, and it was just all this ordinary stuff, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. And the music was really good. Um, and then they switched to this other movie, and maybe if I had watched either one movie or the other, I would have liked it. But having to watch two halves of two mm-hmm, different movies, mm-hmm. uh, and the second movie was a little silly. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, a, it was very silly. And I the, mean, yeah, the paranormal science part of the movie Did they get two directors? Just... I mean, what happened? No. It felt like it. It sure I mean, did. I don't like James Wan... Or any of his movies he's done. I've not watched any movies by him that I've liked even a little bit. Well, he's, I guess I liked it a little bit. He's done, so he, did, he did Saw. He did many of the Saw movies. He did The Conjuring, which I don't think I've ever seen. The Conjuring is supposed to be pretty good. Uh, and it has uh, also the same actor. I looked up a little trivia for this movie. And there were two things I noticed that were interesting. One is the monster, the bad guy in this, that demon, is called the Lipstick Demon. Uh, the red hand mark is actually not supposed to be blood. It's supposed to be lipstick, which he applies to his face. For some reason. Uh, And the reason James Wan made this movie is that he had made those Saw movies which were very successful, but one of the reasons people wouldn't go see them is because they were too violent and too gory. Even though none of that is actually on screen. I think the Saw movies are all PG-13. And part of the reasons I don't like the Saw movies in particular is there's a lot of very just like graphic, scary imagery, but the movie doesn't actually show any of it, and it to me makes this kind of weird combination of like there's something really horrible and torturous going on but we don't want you to see it so it's this weird combination of like kind of chaste and kind of unpleasant that's what these two movies have in common then like there was nothing actually very gory or graphic or violent and insidious and the same with the bad seed right was... but the bad seed could blame the movie right. production and this yeah. to make it pg-13 so people will see it so james wan had made insidious specifically to make a movie like saw that was this very popular horror movie without any of the graphic violence that made the saw movies unpalatable to certain people so we are i guess at the point where we should talk about the movies together 
Yeah. I think the thing that they had in common both was just this like hiding of a family secret and the yeah. the outcome of that. Like the terrible like you know awful outcome of hiding the secret of oh guess what you're adopted and your mom's actually a murderous person <laughs> yeah. or like hey guess what actually you've had the same problems as Dalton your son in your childhood where you you know, suffered the same nightmares. Yeah, that's yeah, and, and we actually wiped yeah. your entire memory of it because you don't have we, juice. You, we wanted to protect you. I think this whole idea of like wanting to protect your children from the truth um, and then the negative outcome of that is just shown in both right. of these movies. And in both cases, the child wasn't the child that was having the problem. The child was the parent of the child that was having a problem. Mm -hmm. right. So the mm -hmm. father doesn't tell his daughter she's the adopted, she's adopted and her mother is a mass murderer in The Bad Seed. And then in this movie, the mother doesn't tell her son that, oh yeah, you could astral project as a child and as a result, you're almost possessed by an evil ghost lady. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, as a production thing, and this is partly because I don't like Insidious that much, there's a lot of, maybe not censorship in Insidious, but they both have this thing where something horrible is happening, but none of it is shown on screen, and you mm -hmm. just kind of imply, like, oh, if the ghost got into his body, it would be really bad. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna, mm -hmm. You don't know why, but it would be bad. We're telling you it's bad, and you just assume something bad I don't think happen. we ever said how Insidious ends, which is with the father being possessed by the old Yeah, lady. we assume and Dalton survives. Yes. He wakes up. Dalton survives. We assume that the dad survives as well, and it's his soul that goes back into his own body. But we find out later that... He, killed, he murders Elise, mm -hmm. and in, in that instant you she realize photo of him he, was, he was actually possessed by the old lady this time around. I, I looked at the trivia. I have not seen Insidious Chapter 2, which I've heard starts <laughs> immediately after Insidious ends. But apparently the old lady who possesses him is played by a man in Insidious. And then in the second movie they follow up with that by sort of retroactively saying, well, actually that old lady is a man dressed as an old lady ghost. Oh, I appreciate that. That sounds interesting. It does sound interesting. <laughs> Although the way that the ghosts and the demons or whatever in Insidious don't, I mean, none of that makes any sense. It no. doesn't have any sort of... The paranormal science in Insidious is so weird because it's like, hey, the further is actually like your house somehow yeah and you've got to move through what a complicated I don't know. premise it's, what an immensely complicated it's just premise. it's too silly it's too complicated it's too silly i loved the first half of the movie yeah. where there was some mystery involved what? and then the second half of the movie reveals the mystery and makes the man the hero and it uh, all feels know. to me oh another interesting part of insidious from the trivia this was filmed in three weeks insidious uh, Yes, this was made on a shoestring budget. It was oh, made in like <laughs> a month as quickly as possible. I feel like that some of the writing problems are like this was written in one draft. Because yeah. here's a thought. Why not just say your son astral projects and that's why ghosts get to him. And your dad could astral project and that's why could ghosts get to him. What is the whole point of having it be like, well, he astral projects, which lots of people do, but he went too far. I mean, what is that? That's not a real thing. Why does it have to be well, that he could do it and then he overdid it? The whole thing about that whole astral projection science, I'm, putting, I'm doing air quotes, um, <laughs> is that the further your spiritual self gets away from your physical body, the more that ghosts can 
like get closer to you or but it, something. But I mean, that doesn't. I mean, none of that comes up. And they so say it's, that, a, but it it's supposed to be movie. like the only the biggest, baddest ghosts can like penetrate your body. But who are those other ghosts? The other ghosts are just wannabes. Just other ghosts. <laughs> I don't know. What was it's, that little boy who was... Also, why was the little boy yeah, listening to TikTok? Yeah, they never explained the it's, little boy ghost. It's just like the Insidious is full of these whole things. The, these whole things. Although I did really like the little boy ghost. Me too. Sure, it was great. Insidious has all the things that make up a, a modern scary day movie. <laughs> creepy kids, creepy old ladies... Creepy Smiley old jump ghosts. scares. Yeah, it's got it's got like all these elements, Shaking but it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't have too. the plot like to tie it all together. It's, so it's like sad. a modern day scary movie. I, like, you know what? I enjoyed watching it. I did too. I, I enjoyed mean, like, watching it, but I kind of hate it. I gotta <laughs> say, Insidious is so entertaining that you barely notice the gaping plot. No, no you totally noticed the. <laughs> we noticed. You noticed. The I do, but I want to just say, like, I don't even care about them. It's like it's just this. It's a bad. It's a bad movie. We all know it's a bad movie, but it's just so entertaining. The so we thing. are still on a roll as far as we've watched a few movies where the where the main character was not a woman. I think the vast majority at this point of yeah. the eight well, movies we've seen. Well, depends how you how you want to divide Insidious, but sure. Well, I think the mother was the main character of that movie. She was, yeah, absolutely. And then you had Elise. And Elise was a great. Yeah. I think the mother was the main character of that movie. Also, and the mother was definitely the main character of the bad scene. We also are six for six in terms of basically Four, no people. Eight. No, I was going to What? Yeah. No, go ahead. I was going right. to say six for six in terms of I don't think there's a person of color in any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Eight. With mm-hmm. any. Eight. This is the fourth episode. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Oh, I guess yep. so. We've seen one black person. Yeah. In, in, uh, in Cat, Cat People. people. Which, I mean, even the modern movies. Yes. Insidious doesn't have a single person of color anywhere nope and it takes place in in LA in 2016 it does or 2010 yeah well we did see in a crowd scenes (laughs) of Frankenstein 2014 there were some people and the the blind the blind guy his friend the prostitute the prostitute in Los Angeles this could be alright so that was probably our most diverse cast yeah but what a what a mess (laughs) what a disappointment and that's not going to change. No, I, I know what's on the list. I mean, it's maybe never if we change. watch one of the Night of the Living Dead movies. Where there's a main character. Yeah. But that's, it. that's one movie out of, we're talking uh, 10 decades that we're going to so, watch? Yeah, out of 20 movies. Yeah. I mean, it's disappointing. It's there's disappointing a, that although cultural norms have changed, this is one that has not changed. In some ways, since because we're still talking about every movie starring it. Almost every movie has a woman in a lead character, but is otherwise entirely controlled by men. Yeah, sure. As far as the director, the musician, uh, except for Mikachu. We at least had a female composer for that. Mikachu? Oh, uh, Skin? Micah Levi. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. These two movies, they definitely had some things in common. You have the spooky kids, which is still a horror movie trope to this day Mm -hmm. and has been consistently since Kids are hella scary. Yeah, especially scary murder kids. Mm-hmm. There's hard to trust. You have the put upon woman by her husband mm-hmm. who's really kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have the dad kind of resolving the plot at the end in both these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the mom resolved the plot in the bad seed in the book and the play, but in the movie, she does not. 
Let's talk about really let's talk about music. Music was such a big part in Insidious. Yes, music, yes. the music in Insidious probably saved that movie. Yes, yeah. it was Agreed. really good. It was. They had thirty three violins was their symphony for this, and it showed like the yeah. those thirty three violins did the work. You know, like they made yeah. the scary scenes scary. They did. Um, was there any notable music in? The bad scene. I noticed it's, that there was music for the first time in one of these It was very movies. melodramatic, romantic music yeah. that you would expect to hear in a movie mm-hmm. from that time period. This had more sound effects. Uh, the Bad Seed had more sound effects. Had The final scene in The Bad Seed had sound as a it major did have part sound. of it. It did. Like it cli- the climax of this movie was sound. That was mm-hmm. the best part of the movie. Oh, yeah. I wish the whole movie had been as good as the, the scene that didn't yeah. even belong in the movie, right? Yeah. The movie, the part invented for the movie was the best movie part. Yep. Yeah, 100%. Whereas in Insidious and a lot of modern horror movies, it's the sound direction and the music that mm-hmm. makes it scary. I mean, mm-hmm. the loud Piano noise is what makes those jump scares scary. Right. It's yep. the sound that, you know, Insidious made me recognize that the thing that makes jump scares scary Ring. is the sound. Yeah. It's not the thing that happens. If there was no sound, it would just be a person walking and by. And it, it would be so goofy, too. You know, like yeah. the scary visuals in Insidious aren't that scary unless it's got the music accompanying it. And yeah. the build-up to that scene, the musical build-up. Which, of all the movies we've watched so far, was most masterfully done in... Under the skin. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Do you recommend the movies that we watched? Uh, I have a hard time recommending The Bad Seed because it's so slow. Although there are a lot of good parts of it, and I would recommend Insidious. With I would give a measured recommendation myself because I did not like it. I don't like Saw either. It is similar, which is that it uses a lot of very classic horror elements mm-hmm. to build a movie that doesn't really hold up together and mm-hmm. under scrutiny, mm-hmm. but has all the parts you'd want. There's spooky ghosts, there's the haunted house, there's some surprises. It doesn't really hold up under scrutiny. Creepy but kids. If you were like, I want to watch a scary movie tonight, go for it. Insidious is a scary yeah. movie based out of like the elements of a Halloween aisle at a store. Mm-hmm. I would recommend Insidious. This is my second time watching it. And even though the plot is just so nonsensical, and even though it's a bad movie, um, it's entertaining. It moves itself along. You don't have to do a lot of thinking, a lot of, like, you don't have to do a lot of work to be entertained by this movie. I think it's good. I didn't have any problem getting to the end of Insidious. Yeah. We actually had to take a break at an hour and 42 minutes into the bad scene. Emergency cocktail break. Because it was... Things progressed, but at such a slow pace that it was like the movie was never going to reach its climax. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if it was a play, it would be two hours long and there'd be a 20-minute intermission in between. Well, it wouldn't have been as long because they wouldn't have tacked on an ending. That's true. Mm-hmm. But there'd be an intermission, so right. it wouldn't have been like this. This needed an intermission. Yeah, it did need an intermission. But there was so much... There... The girl was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would be sad to never see that actress give that performance I guess yeah. in your true. lifetime. Yeah. I recommend The Bad Seed because of that actress But maybe Patty break McCormick. it into two watches. Yeah. So just, you know, watch half and then watch the next half the other day. Yeah, if yeah. you were to watch The Bad Seed, I would recommend, like, 
like what Deb did, which is definitely have snacks before the movie starts <laughs> and have snacks, a little snack plate while you watch the movie. Yeah, because yeah. there's going to be some points in the movie where you're like, will this scene never end? Yeah. Yes. I mean, they pretty much so said long. everything they need to say. They, at this yeah, we understand done. what they've... What they're here for, now they could go move on to the next thing. Yeah. yeah. And there's not a lot of surprises. But if any, are there any surprises in the bad seed? Does anything happen unexpectedly? No. No, uh, no. But Patty <laughs> McCormack's, no the young girl Patty McCormack's performance is just so good. I think she totally started the whole scary child yeah. thing yes. in a scary she's great. movie. Yep. Um, she's she's such a good actress in this movie. I couldn't, I, w- I would recommend The Bad Seed, but. Have your emergency cocktails and yeah. snacks prepared in advance. I, mean, I think you could yeah. watch Insidious as long as you're not looking for something great. Yeah. yeah. If you just want to be entertained and you like to be scared a little bit. It is, a, mm. it is the poor movie equivalent. It was a popcorn movie. It was a popcorn yeah. movie, yeah. And there's some neat things to look at. And the music yeah. is pretty good. And the acting doesn't distract you. And I'll, I'll mm. say this mm-hmm. as much as I don't like this movie and I don't like Saw. Saw is kind of unpleasant. And I can see why James Wan would want to make a... To use his sensibilities of a crowd-pleaser horror movie, but without the tortury stuff. Because the tortury stuff in Saw means I don't really like it. And it's also kind of unpleasant. Whereas this is not... There's nothing unpleasant about Insidious. It's just a spook I think the most unpleasant thing about Insidious was how the mother and her child Dalton had matching pajamas and looked like an <laughs> yeah. older sister and younger brother. Yeah. That was the most unpleasant. Do you guys like Rose Byrne? Oh, wait a minute. I have a thing to say about horror movies. Please don't have babies in your movies. Mm-hmm. I know. Oh, is that, I don't is like that it when there are babies. Yeah, it's like, oh no, there's a baby in this movie. What's going to happen to the baby? Yeah. And that's all I can think about. Nothing. In fact, they forget about yeah, the baby. Yeah, they forgot about the two. No, and there's the lots of times where they leave the children upstairs while they're doing these yeah. mystical things. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really? You're leaving yeah. your kids upstairs. Yeah, Foster, Foster and Callie, the two other children in Insidious. <laughs> the unimportant just, children. Disappeared from the movie. Let me ask a practical question about one of the many plot holes in this. So, if they'd left Dalton to be in care at a hospital, that would have been a haunted hospital, right? They would have never seen yep. any of these ghosts. They'd just be yeah, monsters. Yeah, no, the ghosts would totally have on. gotten him, I guess. And I guess yeah. coma wards are just generally stuffed full of ghosts. Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know, man. Insidious <laughs> yeah. was a bad don't movie. Don't think too hard about it. But it's entertaining. Yeah. But I was going to say, do you like guys like Rose Byrne? She's in a lot of movies now. I was surprised to see her in this because she... Do you she, think she was a comedy person? Not really. I know that she's actually English, which means I saw her in something where she oh. used her natural accent. I can't even remember what that is. English, she was in Bridesmaids. Accent. Yep. And uh, I liked her in that. She's in Neighbors? I actually liked her in Neighbors. She's in Damages, a TV show that I really liked. She was okay in it. She's, I don't know, I don't really know too much about Rose Byrne. Uh, I'm, I'm not... I have a complaint about, it, just a general complaint about actresses who are way underweight, which she totally yeah. was in this movie. Yeah, and like, she's in everything. She's she, right, that's like how it. she always looks, but, yeah. and some people are like that, but uh, too many actresses, Yeah. they don't have any body shape. She's no Scarlett just... Johansson. That's no. Weird. And that was, I don't know if we talked about that. When we watched Under the Skin, I really appreciated the fact that Scarlett Johansson actually had a layer of fat. Yeah. And she looks great. Yeah. So, come on. Yeah, just please. go eat some... And Rose Byrne really oh, doesn't something. look great. No, no she doesn't. very skinny and kind of unhealthy. I, I, on the one hand, like, I, I don't want to judge women 
on their yeah, body. It's, it's a thing. It's but, a line you have to walk. But on the other hand, it's like this whole Hollywood's perpetuation of, you know, like moms or even moms. Yeah, moms. That's moms the part that makes mother of three is supposed to be 97 pounds. Like, come on, please. Like, that's not believable. No. Like, Rose Byrne looks like a child in this movie, and the younger that you make your that you make mothers in Hollywood look, the more that you're perpetuating this unreasonable body image. Like the only yeah. the only thing, way that that would standard. work, where I would not, if it was intentional to the character. So in this in movie, Black Swan, for example, like yeah. in Black Swan, mm-hmm. or actually mm-hmm. in Insidious, it could be argued that she's under a lot of stress. And if she had eating. like lost mm-hmm. weight, but they have to comment on it. But she says from the very beginning of the movie, she's just this childlike. Yeah, that wife scene where she is wearing of, the same matching pajamas with her son is like, especially looks weird because she's so young and she's so skinny. Mm-hmm. That was one of the things I appreciated about the actress that played the mom in the Bad Seed. I didn't think yeah, she was a particularly yeah. beautiful woman. Her body shape seemed completely normal. Yeah, she seemed um, like she could be that. The other part mom. of it was. They. This was one of those situations where the director wanted the actress from the play to be in the movie, and that wasn't really what the studio wanted, yeah. but he got his way. That's cool. That actress didn't go on to do great things or anything, not like Patty McCormick, well, she who was our new she hero. Was <laughs> she was fine. She was good. She, she was yeah. as... She, well, she was probably good in the context of the time period in which she yeah. was performing. Yeah. But, I mean, she won an Academy Award. Me yeah. looking at it now, it's like, well... That's some weird acting going on, but yeah. that's just because of what we're time. used to. Yeah, with the whole, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson definitely had it going on and under the skin. Yeah. And she looked she looked like a healthy person. That movie yeah. elevated my sure. <laughs> my impression of Scarlett Johansson. Mm-hmm. Rose Byrne, that didn't Im- elevate my impression of her. It didn't, would, didn't take it down a notch no, either. Just, I would love to see Emily Blunt in a horror movie. Sure. Emily Blunt is my, like... She, I really like her in action movies. She's kick-ass. She's, she's strong. She's got like her head on in a lot of like what it was Sicario. She was pretty good in Sicario. Mm-hmm. I would like to see her in a horror movie setting. Yeah, being the heroine and saving the day. Yeah, I think she'd be. Good. Are you hearing this, Emily? Please <laughs> do a horror movie, kick-ass, yeah. and save the day. Right in. I think one of the things that surprises me about the whole weight thing with actresses is that that has been going on since. The dawn of the... You would think that in the past it would have been a little bit different, that they would expect a different body type. But it's always notable when someone like Scarlett Johansson Mm -hmm. or Mae West Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe has this other body type that is not what you expect to see in a movie. A regular person. Well, Well, not regular. A regular regular sized person. A woman who has the expected amount of womanly body fat... It just surprises me that it's just that long of a period. And you, then you have people like um, Judy Garland who yeah. would have had a normal body shape except she went, you know, she was under the pressure to take the drugs and lose the yeah. weight and be mm-hmm. sick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's still happening. You can see it now. It's the same thing. They do it for them. They do it themselves because they want to have a career. But it's terrible that they have to do that to yeah. have a career. Hollywood's body standards are... Pretty fucked up. Plus, yeah. I would rather have Scarlett Johansson in all these movies. Yeah. <laughs> or Jennifer Lawrence, except Jennifer Lawrence is doing that thing now, too. Yeah. yeah. Getting skinnier. 
it's sad what what women have to do to keep up in their careers and their businesses <laughs> and be competitive where it's not just talent or brains or whatever, but yeah. you've also got to look a certain way. Plus, too. I don't like Rose Byrne. Cut it out, Rose Byrne. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. All right, fine. <laughs> well, uh, you want to talk about the drink? Yeah. Let's talk about the drink. What was in this drink? What was in the drink? Delicious All right, drink. So this drink that I what invented was, uh, was probably the hardest one. Mm-hmm. Took the most time. I heard you put I, a blog post up somewhere. I didn't put it. a blog post up. I She's wrote a blog post, oh, okay. which will be posted by okay. the time this comes. But by the time any of our episodes are up, yeah. we should have a website with blog posts and images and all of that stuff. Social media, let's do it. Um, so I have written a blog post. It's pretty long because it was a little bit of a lengthy Give us process. Because I do want to know what the process was a little uh, bit of it, this. This particular drink requires that you actually do three recipes so you know there was on the condiment or not the condiment the garnish was a no-bake oatmeal raisin cookie which i just snuck out and had an extra one (laughs) so good good. there is in the drink a black sesame seed syrup will you tell me what's in the oatmeal the no-bake oatmeal raisin cookie or oatmeal sesame cookie because i thought that was super good i want to make it yeah i want to make it too but not yet okay and then the third recipe is the drink itself okay um, it was kind of a process because originally I wanted to, I was thinking about seeds. I wanted to make yeah. something with seeds. I was thinking sunflower seeds, you know, like some kind of warm, nutty yeah. flavor. That's okay. Um, but then I stumbled upon this recipe for black sesame seed syrup, which is actually meant to go on top of mango ice cream. Yum. And I thought, hmm, what if I could make a black drink, a drink that was just black? And here's yeah. this black sesame seed syrup, and I could use that. Okay. Obviously, I cast away the idea of making a black drink. Well, it was very dark. It was kind of a dark brown. Mm-hmm. It's a brown, yeah. And when I tasted things, and I was making faux at the time, and there was anise in it, and I threw some anise into the black sesame seed syrup recipe, and it all just kind of progressed to the mm. point where I made the drink that we had, which is definitely my favorite. And it's a Sailor Jerry rum, the black mm. sesame seed syrup, mm. Thai iced tea, Oh. Unsweetened Thai mm-hmm. iced tea. Did you like a, a purchased like? I have tea bags. I had some okay. in my cupboard already. All right. Sour cherry juice, which was the last ingredient I added, which I had a pretty good drink going with. Yeah, I was say there's no fruit anything in this so far. The cherry. The sour juice. To the so, at the end. Tell the right. cherry juice. So I had I I had ended up with a drink. I had gone through various drinks that tasted very much like a Smith and Wesson. Mm, because I had started out using espresso and then I was using coffee. I was trying to get the drink to be less syrupy and I had Kraken rum I was using, which was kind of making it really heavy and sweet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, at one point I added some vanilla dry soda and it was too, it, it was just a Smith & Wesson basically. Yeah. Even though it had all these complicated ingredients in it, that's what it tasted That's like. interesting because you're basically making a Coca-Cola without Coca-Cola. If you're yeah. Making a well, when we had our first sips, we were like, this is kind of like a Dr. Tastes Pepper. like a Dr. Pepper, yeah. right. Because it has a lot of spices in it, right? It has the spices from the Thai iced tea. It has the spices from the black sesame seed syrup. Mm-hmm. It has uh, cardamom bitters in mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then it has okay. the rum, which is a spiced rum. And then the last thing that I added was the sour cherry juice because it needed a sour element. Okay. It was really good. What's it, what's in the uh, the cookie, the garnish? In yeah, the cookie, the cookie is made of rolled oats, raisins, dates, a little mm. bit of the black sesame seed syrup. Okay. Uh, and I was actually playing around with it yesterday because I didn't quite like how it tasted, so I added some sunflower seeds to it. Yeah. And then I rolled it in black sesame seeds, 
And then that's the garnish that goes on top. So I could eat any, 20 of those. Is there anything sweet in it instead of the syrup? Just the syrup. The and wow. it says there's very little of the syrup. Dates yeah. are very and Dates and raisins sweet. are sweet. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not a whole lot of sh- There's no sugar. In, there's no added sugar in that. Just the, the syrup. syrup. Right. Yeah. yeah, which was a teaspoon because it's sweet. I mean, that yeah. is. Yeah, you should see these like things. Cookies. I've taken some photos of it, but they're like these delicious. Um, they're not flat cookies. They're like balls. Yeah, spear shaped. For whatever cookies. reason, I just pictured in my mind a little ball rolled in seeds, and yeah, so I made good. this little and ball. It's rolled delicious. In seeds. Yeah, I, like I said, I could eat twenty of those. Yeah, you easily. could really make a, a candy out of those. I want to really make good. this drink and those that garnish for this upcoming. Party that we're having with some friends. It's also, so good. It's so impressive. I also gotta say, you could take those little balls, make them bigger, and dip them in either hard, like dipping chocolate or the like peanut butter shell in particular. That'd be really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was delicious. That's super good. Always a delicious cocktail. And lots of seeds. Yeah, lots and, of seeds. Okay, so seeds for our next movie we're yeah, watching is Rosemary's Baby. I've never I seen it. I love that. this movie. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen it. Actually. Really? I, yeah. you've, I don't think that I've seen it. Maybe you've recommended it to me. For whatever reason, I've seen it a lot as a child. And, and there's Roman a book, Polanski. so I'll get to read the book. Right? Roman Polanski. Yes, Roman Polanski. Movie. It's part of a trilogy, which I don't think most people are actually aware of. He I did, was Like Chinatown. There is a trilogy of movies he made that are about basically people going crazy in, apartment co- in an apartment. Okay. <laughs> and this is one of those. Interesting. Apparently they live in an apartment. Uh, I love Rosemary's Baby. That is a creepy movie. I like a lot of Roman Polanski's movies, but I don't like Roman Polanski. He's not a good I think No, he's not good a good He's a terrible person. We should talk about him when we start talking yeah. about what's ladies the, and um, movies. What's the other movie? The other movie is The, the Bitch. Oh! <gasps> <gasps> Karen and I have seen. Oh, it's I can't wait for you guys to see it. Funny. I, you know, you have the same reaction every time I say that. <laughs> yeah. I said that last week as well. It's so I funny. I kind of want to say that we should watch Rosemary's Baby separately and watch the Vavitch together just to I watch your reaction. I would love to watch... It's funny because the Vavitch is actually supposed to be the witch, but they just thought that they would implement this clever... Yeah, it doesn't really come up in the movie ...way of spelling it. it. It's just such a... That's just so silly when you yeah. think about it substantively. Uh, but we're not going to talk yeah, about it now. About it. We'll talk about it later. Although it is based on true story. <laughs> oh, I'm shaking in my witch boots. I love the Vavitch. It's so dumb. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. All right. Look. We talked about This is a scary watching. time in our politics right when we're recording this. And it's a scary movie podcast. And some of the things that have happened in real life are going to reflect how we experience these movies from this point on. Mm -hmm. And how we reflect on racial issues and gender issues Mm -hmm. and issues in general. And just Mm -hmm. people being bad. Mm -hmm. And people being bad (laughs) and what that means for us and how how we reflect on that. Mm -hmm. But this is just to let you guys, the audience, know that this is just a new context in which we're going to see everything. Yep. But next week we're going to watch Rosemary's Baby Rosemary's Baby and the, and the, the Vavitch, a movie that Karen and I love. I love it for <laughs> one scene and one scene I love only. all the scenes in the Vavitch. It's beautiful, but it's also really silly. Karen loved Insidious, and I thought it was bad. And I love the Vavitch, and Karen thinks it's silly. The acting in <laughs> the Vavitch is so great. But I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to see what this cocktail we is. We will have to discuss. Decide which one we're watching first. I would like to watch Rosemary's Baby together. Okay. You guys want to watch the Vavitch together? I just, just want to see. I just want to go. Uh, I'm so going to take weird. a moment to plug two things. One is Third Act. Oh no! Ah! Try again. 
Karen. One yeah, is not with it. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna we're, I'm gonna plug Third Act Saviors. It's another podcast I'm on with two of my friends. We watch a bad movie and rewrite the third act. Shout out Michael Frum and Daniel Kinneman. My two co co hosts. Uh, I would like to have the two of you on at some point on that show. It's hard to tell with when these episodes are gonna be released and when Third Act Saviors episodes are gonna be released. But I'd like to have you guys on as guests at some point. Heck yeah. Also, Karen and I both are attorneys in the Seattle area for a law firm that I started called Helios Law Group. Karen does criminal law. I do civil law. If you have any legal issues or whatever, send me an email at jacob at helioslaw.net or give me a call at 425-296-9279 and we'll give you a discount. We will help you out. Oh, and we have a domain now. It's decadespodcast.com. All right. And we will eventually also have an email address, which I'll Send us emails. At some point. We'll read your emails. We will talk to you. Like, follow, and subscribe. Most importantly, tell other people to listen to our podcast if you like it. I would love to plug Social Justice Fund, uh, this, this organization, this nonprofit that I volunteer with, where we aim to raise money to award as grants to community organizations that are led by the people most directly affected by social injustice, gender injustice, <laughs> racial injustice. We give those community organizations money so that they can keep on doing the good work and fighting the good fight on the ground for um, people who are most affected by these problems that we were discussing. And I would also love to plug my awesome friends for being there for me during the scary <laughs> times. My my people of color, my white allies, I love you all. I I'm, I don't think I could survive the next four years without my without my family and without my friends who are encouraging me and do I don't know. Just being there for me. Yeah. Everybody I'm going to promote something. Yeah, what are you Let's promoting? Let's all huh? support the ACLU. Why don't oh, we? Oh, please. Yeah. <laughs> Jake I and promote I are volunteering. That. Yes. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm going to be looking into that. Let's do it. So. I, I plug the ACLU, and I also plug Planned Parenthood. Shout out to ACLU and Planned Parenthood, because y'all are doing such good work. Uh, The end? Thanks for having us on this podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Shout out to Jacob's mom, Deb, for having the cool idea to have this And shout podcast. out to my dad and sister who are waiting for us to finish so we can eat dinner. So we can eat Yay. dinner. Yay! Bye! We'll see you next time. Love ya!